It's like when you're doing a job interview over the phone and you like can't read what people, if like the energy they're giving back to you and you're just like, oh man, am I bombing this? Or the answer is yes, you're bombing. Is that your subtle way of telling us that you've been doing improv classes? And with that, we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Matt Kraken, he's Grant Hershberger, and that was not a penalty kick. It was not. It was not a penalty kick. Um, it was laughably bad. And we're just going to go ahead and get this out of the way, Alex, right? I mean, I, I feel I think like there's no don't... sense in even talking about it any more than, yeah, this right away because it wasn't a penalty kick. I don't care what David Goss says, it just wasn't. Where nothing is going to change to get those two points back, and it's over. Like, I don't think there's anything else we can say about it, really. I think the only thing I can say is I, I'm very annoyed at the contrarians who are all like, well, technically, I actually think that... No, I, I think the best take I saw was it sets a very dangerous precedent for the sport of if an attacking player does not actively have the ball, and they're in the box, and then they just legitimately body slam a defender you don't get to say that that's a penalty. Like, that's a pretty dangerous precedent to set. So, um, you know, it was a very, I think it was the, th- the third time that center ref had ever been a center ref. And, uh, you know, whatever. It's a mistake. Uh, Adrian Heath, in a recent interview, I think for the Star Tribune, or is that who Jerry Zagoda writes for, Star Tribune? I think so. In a recent interview with Jerry Zagoda, basically he had met with the MLS VAR head ref and he basically said uh, something to the effect of he confirmed what we thought and there's nothing we can do now we just got to move on so all in all yeah the best the best take I saw was like maybe the ref generally just got the two teams confused and thought that Ethan Finley was running on goal because that makes more sense Ethan Finley is making a good run towards the ball their defender cuts him off and takes them both over penalty kick to us but no in fact we were on defense and it ended up being a penalty kick for them it was bad man i man bad really bad pretty bad but you know what let's just get it out of the way it's done that's that we're done so let's talk about some positives Alex. Talk about pos- let's, let's wind it back a little bit here you know let's run it back let's take it back to midweek we're the only team that had two games this week we went to lafc on wednesday and right little away, late night special, something little, greasy out the diner. You know what I mean. Little late night special. By the way, my neighbor is sanding his porch. Uh, so in the background, you're going to hear that from time to time. Uh, for varying lengths, if my recent research has told me anything. Uh, but right away, we're in L.A. Grant, you want to talk us through just what the lineup said to you when you saw it? Yeah, you know, we started our LAFC game... Um, with, I think, kind of a surprising lineup. I know we had just had a game um, on the 24th against Portland. So we started off with Robin Lude at striker. Uh, let's call it what it is. We were basically in a 4-3-3, which I think collectively every Loons fan looked at that and sort of rolled their eyes. I think we all have a general frustration with the 4-3-3. Adrian Heath tends to pull it out when we're away against a tough team. And I don't know the stat line on what our, our success rate is with the 4-3-3. I know other people have posted it online before, and it hasn't been great. Um, 
But, you know, it is what it is. I think it was a surprising lineup for me only because we had the pieces to to put together a 4-2-3-1, and we just didn't want to do that, I guess. I also think the 4-3-3 is interesting because, you know, you could go a little bit defensive heavy and do like a, you know, 5-2... Oh, man. I'm just blanking right now. I lost my train of thought because it's so... Alex muted his mic because his neighbor is sanding, and so now it's so quiet. Like, all I can hear is my voice. It's so, like when you're doing a job interview over the phone, and you, like, can't read what people... If, like, the energy they're giving exactly. back to you, and you're just like, oh, man, am I bombing this? Or The answer is yeah, yes, I'm just, you're bombing. I'm just talking. You're doing great. Keep it up, man. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll just keep talking. Anyways, you know, you could have seen something with five along the back line. Um, but no matter what, it was just a strange... Um, lineup right off the bat and i think we were all kind of you know hesitant right away well no i want to challenge you on that because going into it i had said how badly do we want to win this game right when you looked at what august holds it's it's four home games every weekend and i think there's one away one mixed in somewhere in the middle and when you look at those games those are all winnable losing or tying in la i think right away is something that we are probably or at least i thought we'd be okay with and i think that this lineup really kind of confirmed that that might have been what Heath was thinking too. We didn't have Adriana New in and we had Hayes in, uh, in kind of, yeah, the, the spot that Dotson is usually in um, because Dotson was in the spot that, I mean, the whole lineup was kind of funky and it really felt like we were going in there hoping for one point, um, knowing that zero points were okay. Did you feel that way when you started watching it or, or were you just more wondering why we'd lined up the way we were? Yeah, I guess I wasn't surprised because I knew that that's kind of Adrian Heath's go-to on the road. Um, I've always kind of thought, now that we have Emmanuel Reno, so um, that maybe he would still be successful in a central midfield role in a 4-3-3. You know, uh, Dotson's playing a little bit higher up. He could be in that Dotson role, in my opinion. You consider that, um, and I was just looking on FB Ref a little bit, but I don't have it up in front of me. He's in the 95th percentile for attacking midfielders for success rate of tackles uh, he he's got a pretty good defensive work rate so I just I don't know I think he can play both ways it's probably not his best spot but you know you you kind of want to keep Ray central regardless the lineup is what it is uh, we move forward and almost immediately Chase Gasper goes down yeah eight, 18th minute he goes out and it almost felt like I mean, again, we talked about the conspiracy theories last week in terms of Fragapane being injured in time, but he was getting roasted those first 15 minutes, and it, it didn't look like anything big happened, and all of a sudden he came out, and I thought DJ Taylor did a much better job. Um, so I, you know, part of me wondered if there was some conversation that happened beforehand that was like, look, man, you're the only one who's been playing all these games. We're kind of, you know, we're kind of resting some of the guys. If you feel like you can hold up, it, the, the spot's yours. Uh, if you feel like you're not there, let us know and we'll put DJ in. Um, so part of me thought maybe that was just a, a pre-planned discussion that was like, if you're out there and you feel like you're getting roasted and you don't have the legs, let us know. We got DJ ready. He can come in. Um, then after he missed you know, the following game, I, obviously that was not true. And, and even in the moment, I thought that was a little bit of a stretch. But yeah, right away, Gasper goes down and, and DJ is forced to step in. Um, which, well, more like, than a conspiracy theory, it... They kept saying, oh, Chase Casper is the only player who's played every single minute all season. And it's kind of like, 
we're kind of getting to that point. I don't think he was overused, but people's bodies get sore, and, yeah. and he probably felt up for it, and then just you know pulled yeah. something, tweaked something. Right. But part of me was, you know, obviously you don't ever want to see someone go down, but I was really excited to see what DJ Taylor could do out on the left. And I was really happy when I saw that we just went right to DJ Taylor um, and didn't have any, you know, nonsense with, with seeing what you could do out there again. Because um, I think DJ had really cemented himself into kind of the the, the number two spot uh, on pretty much, yeah, right or left at this point. So I was happy to see him go out there. Yeah, honestly, DJ Taylor has really impressed me, especially in a you know, first game you're in and you're having to go up against Latif Blessing and Carlos Vela and, you know, that's not an easy assignment. And yet he played very well. Like that game against LAFC, DJ Taylor was more of a revelation than the last book of the Bible. Like he just blew me away impressed. I, I think he has a future in MLS period. I hope it's with our team, but he may be too good to want to be a backup. And I totally respect that. No Nico Hansen. Ethan Finley in instead of Nico Hansen. That was another one that I was not super pumped to see. Um, and then obviously Boxall and Franco both made the trip. Neither of them started. Um, and actually, we'll get into it, but neither of them played in, in Vancouver either. So overall, the lineup is not great to start. It's a Wednesday night match, which always, like we talked about the, the Wednesday night match in Colorado where we lost, and it just felt... You, every time you lose on a Wednesday, it just feels exponentially worse because you're already just like up late and it was they're usually like boring games i think midweek games have a tendency to be kind of boring and it kind of felt like we were headed that way the first 20 minutes i would say did you would you disagree are you saying did i think it was boring did i did you think that we were headed for a similar result where we just kind of you know stumble along the whole way and they get like one in the first and like maybe two more in the second and and maybe at some point we, we we bumble one in but for me, the first the first twenty minutes, I was like, "Oh man, we we had been at a friend's house. <laughs> we'd been there since like six because we forgot how late the game was. So we'd already eaten and like had our conversations, and the game was like just now starting. And I was like, "Man, we should have just watched this from home. It's gonna be like eleven thirty, and we're gonna lose like three to one, and I have to like drive home at that point." It just felt like it was headed that way to me. I guess um, I I always thought it was gonna be something exciting whether for us or against us. Um, so it could have been three to one, but you know, I, I don't want to give, you know, Andrew Weeby or any of the extra time guys too much credit, but LAFC obviously still is a very solid team. They're very good. I also think, you know, we're a good team and this was a good test, especially when you consider that we had four starters out. If you're considering Chase Gasper going down right away, we had four starters out and we ended up in a tie. So yeah, I, I guess I didn't have a ton of expectation, this team, this year specifically, I think now that we're about halfway through the season, I go into every game with zero true expectations. Like, I have my hopes and my, I'm just going to call them thoughts, like, we probably should beat this team, mm-hmm. but you don't know. I mean, we could lose to an absolutely terrible team, mm-hmm. and we could beat the best team in the league. I mean, we beat the Sounders, but they, you know... the middle school Sounders, Sounders Jr. (laughs) But uh, you know what I'm saying? We can beat any team in the league, and I truly believe that. Um, But yeah, I have no expectations. I just sit and watch the game and cheer. Yeah. And then I think it kind of leveled out. Then we were we were playing better, and then and then Carlos Vela does what Carlos Vela does. And actually, he'd had a few really good chances beforehand. 
um, and and kind of set the stage for that. This was this was Tyler Miller's first time back at LAFC since leaving. Um, so there was kind of some fun storyline there. Afterwards, he talked about that first shot that that Vela had in like the first three minutes, I think it was, where it was your classic Vela Vela shot off his left foot from like the corner of the 18 that bent around. Um, it was funny because on that shot, Gasper was trying so hard to push him to the right side. He was like leaving him the whole run of the goal, basically. And, and Vela still found a way to get on his left and almost score off it. But then we kind of settled things down. I think DJ Taylor came in and, and did a lot, a lot, um, kind of settled down the left side for us. Um, but then, yeah, in the 40th minute, you know, Vela does what Vela does. And that is not even off anything super dangerous. I mean, it was a good through ball, but Debassi was right on his back shoulder. I thought Miller did a much better job well, than people started, gave him credit for. It started from a sloppy pass from Metnir to, yeah. I think, Will Trapp, who... I don't know if he wasn't paying attention or just didn't think that Sufuentes yeah. was, like, right there. But it was, like, both players, Trap and Metnir, were not on the same page, uh, which you don't normally see. I think normally Metnir tries to kind of run it up a little bit, and he had open space. So if I'm Will Trap, I'm trying to just put myself in their shoes, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Metnir's going to run with the space he has, and he just ends up, you know, passing it a Trap. So... Yeah, that's right. I had forgotten that that started, and I had texted you about it. That I thought meant the trap had a few big errors this game, um, and that one was, I think, mostly on him, where he thought he could, he thought the ball was going to beat the player, and then he would spin the player, and he'd be breaking towards goal. Free, yeah. But he misjudged it, or he didn't know he was there, or he was just being too lazy. Yeah, and he ended up trying to shield the player, but he just basically spun around, and the player just took the ball and went the other way with it. Um, but in the end, I think it, I mean, <clears throat> in the end, it was a really good finish from Vela, right? Like some people were giving, saying that Miller either needed to come out or not come out. But I mean, that chip that he had off his right, his weaker foot when he was going down up and over Miller into the goal. I feel like you, you can't blame anyone too much for, for the for the finish on that one. Well, you could tell Miller was prepared to jump left or he was going to go low. Like mm-hmm. he had his arms down low. He was ready to rock. And then also, Debassi did a pretty good job closing down and getting pressure. Vela's falling over at that point. So at that point, that's one of those goals you kind of just go, it's Carlos Vela, and Mm -hmm. he's very good. And you can be mad. There are preventable things in that. But also, when Debassi's getting pressure on him and Miller's guarding all of the appropriate angles and manages to use his weaker foot to chip it over the goalie on the run, falling over, all right. I bet the XG on that is like 0.1. Like yeah. it's got to be right. obscenely low. The issue was what happened upfield. But the finish is what are you going to do? You know, Vela yeah. is a very good soccer player. And if you can get him on his weak foot falling over chipping, you, you've you done the best that you can do. And sometimes he's still going to score on you. Um, and you kind of just got to move on, which we did. Went to halftime um, after that. You know, things quieted down a bit. Went to halftime. And right away we came out, you know, their number 10 had a great play, and, and we came out, and our number 10 made a big play for us as well. Um, Emmanuel Reynoso off of, I don't know, kind of self-made play, right? He cuts around and slides and dives and kicks it, and it's like, I don't know how we scored that. It was one of those things where it's kind of like you're just expecting it to be another one of those kind of disappointing Emmanuel Reynoso shots that, like, just go wide. And, I mean, just pounded it into the side netting. I feel like it came out of nowhere for me. I saw somebody... So shout me out if this is you who said this on Twitter, but I saw somebody say something to the effect of if Emmanuel Reynoso could score consistently, he wouldn't be a loon. And I, that's pretty fair. Like, 
I'll take that he's normally an assister and gets one or two uh, goals a year or whatever that might be. Maybe he gets six or seven one year, but if he can score more than that, we're going to lose him pretty quick, which maybe one day we do. Uh, but point being, love seeing that goal in the same vein. He's fallen over. He's shooting off his strong foot, so whatever. But tight angle, still pretty tough shot. Um, it was a self-made goal, but credit to Robin for seeing that there was open space over there. Uh, Reynoso was on a 1v1. So, yeah. One thing I want to call out really quick. Did you notice how much their announcers were, like, fawning over Sufuentes? Well, I was watching the Minnesota broadcast. Oh, okay. Right. So I'm using the VPN thing. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm listening to theirs. Okay, so for those of you who are lucky enough to have like all the Bally Sports, whatever, I have the ESPN Plus. So I'm, you know, I pirate it or I mean, I pay for it technically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, Black, for sure. I pay for it. I still pay for it. I do but, not feel um, bad about getting around blackouts. It's like, dude, yeah, I'm no. trying to do the right thing here, and you got and I'm paying for me. it. Yeah. yeah. But so I have had to listen to a ton of other teams' announcers, and I don't think it's a Homer thing to say we are so incredibly blessed to have Cal and Kendra. I know I've said that before, but, like, some of these announcers are so insanely biased. Like, Cal and Kendra will at least, you know, make objective statements for or against both teams. Whereas, like, this announcer was obsessed they kept calling him Sifu. That was their little nickname, which I kept thinking sounded like seafood. And they were like, ooh, Sifu, uh, just one of the best midfielders in the league. Ooh, Sifu's just taking the league by storm. And you're like, give it a rest, you guys. Like, come on. We've definitely talked about this multiple times. And the the bias or also just when the team scores and they don't celebrate and you just think something went wrong, like there's an offsides flag you're missing. Um, those are all things. If you haven't gone back and watched San Jose's goal against Seattle, uh, Go check that out because when it happens, Hilarious. the the announcer for Seattle is popping off about like maybe this is maybe that's okay for San Jose, but not for us. We hold ourselves to a different standard, and if they think that you know yada yada yada, just like being the classic Seattle snob that all of them are, um, and then they got scored on, which I thought was hilarious. So you can the go biggest watch that problem clip. if the announcer is saying we referring to the team, that's an issue. You're not part. Of, you're the broadcast, but you're not part of the team. So. Anyways, let's move on. Anyways, uh, at halftime, our boy Emmanuel Reynoso... Uh, wow, no, not our boy. Well, yeah, he was already in. Uh, Raheem Edwards came in at the half, uh, kind of weirdly, unexpectedly. People weren't really sure why that happened, but Raheem Edwards got in, played the whole 45 minutes, um, which he'll come back into play later in the game. Um, Do you think so- they were just trying to, like, harness all of his hatred, like, like a Sith warrior? You know, they were just trying to... I mean, he ran his legs off. I mean, mm-hmm. he was all over the field. It looked like he had something to prove the way he was playing. Yeah, it was definitely, it, it seemed to catch a lot of the, uh, I think it caught the announcers off off guard when they saw that, that uh, you know, they made a halftime sub. Um, who knows? You know, Bob Bradley, this is the second time Bob Bradley's had Raheem Edwards on his team, I believe. So he definitely thinks there's something there. And Raheem Edwards has been playing pretty consistent minutes all year. Um, as well he should. I think he's he's got something to offer. Uh, 49th minute, we get that goal. Um, 59th minute, Baki Debasi gets a yellow. 67th minute, Will Trapp gets a yellow. We're into the 69th minute. We start making subs. We get Jan Gregush for Ja'Cory Hayes, who I thought played one of his 
on one of his underwhelming matches, I didn't want to say a poor performance. He still played fine. I feel like usually he's out there, he does one or two things, and I'm like, damn, that was a good play. And this time, I don't think I ever saw that moment. He was getting a lot of calls on Vela, which I think is most of those are bad calls, but he was getting he was getting penalties every time he tried to get the ball from Vela, um, which I'm actually okay with. Um, no huge errors, but at the same time, I thought he just played okay. But in his defense, it's like how much influence are you expected to give when you're going from a role starter to just kind of like a backup dude who is used to starting and he mm-hmm. never got to find his rhythm so i think there's so much to be said about the opportunities and situations you're getting put into and um not saying it's a, a coaching problem but you know he's got to shake the rust off a little bit yeah so Jan he Ray did have that <clears throat> oh you're gonna nope i'll going. let you keep well, I was going to say he had that beautiful pass to Dotson. Oh, Jan Gregush did. Yeah. Well, I was talking about Ja'Cory Hayes having an underwhelming, underwhelming performance. Oh, you said Jan Gregush. Oh, did I? Oh. You, I think you did. I swear I heard Jan Gregush. Okay, well, for our listeners, if I'm wrong, that's on me. If Alex is wrong, just pretend he was saying Ja'Cory Hayes. Yeah, I'm debating whether or not we should go back and record this, but at this point, I feel like we just keep moving. Yeah, I'll just keep moving. All right, here we hey, go. Hey, we make mistakes. You know what I mean. We well, know what I mean. You, giving you a little peek behind the curtain here. <laughs> then, uh, yes, I do agree. Ja'Cory Hayes did not have his best game. He looked a little lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally yep. agree. Um, 74th minute, we have... And there's two things I want to talk about here. So, 74th minute, Ozzy Alonso comes on for Emmanuel Reynoso, and Juan Agadello comes on for Robin Lude. And that's the end of the subs. First off, we we started off the LAFC game talking about how this was pretty clearly a, a game that we were going in hoping for one, understanding if we get zero, that's fine. But mostly it was a it was a game to rest some of our guys. I saw a lot of people on Twitter complaining about not only the subs, but also that we didn't bring other people in later on in the match. Again, how do you feel about that? Well, okay. So I guess what I'm thinking is for me one was good, one was bad. Um, if I'm looking at names, I'm thinking to bring on Osvaldo Alonso, the one and only Ozzy, to bring him on is to bring on a very good, one of the best defensive midfielders in Major League Soccer. And so I can't fault Heath for continuing to try it, but this year has really shown that Ozzy is not very good as a late sub. I mean, pretty much every time we've brought him on, we have not played very well defensively. He he hasn't... I don't know if it's just the age or getting into the rhythm of the game or whatever it might be, but he just hasn't played super well in those substitution roles. And so while I understand the frustration, remember that this is not some, like, random dude we pulled off the street. This is Ozzy Alonso, who even if his... You know, body's getting a little slower. It's he's still a very smart defensive player. Good positioning, good good awareness. So I don't think it's that unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, Juan Aguadello. Up until now, I had been very unimpressed, and whatever changed was for the better because I was like not thrilled. You know, you're taking Robin Ludoff in the 74th minute. Which when does he score all his goals, baby? 75th minute. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when it happens. So, uh, terrible time to take Robin off. But I guess later they said he was dealing with some muscle soreness. Mm-hmm. So, totally get it. 
Agudelo played very well. He was really playing that kind of defensive forward type role where he's really chasing down, really making some good pressure. So I was okay with it. It's just unfortunate that three minutes later, on a set piece, Dotson get caught napping by uh, Will Blackman. So Will? It's Will, right? Tristan. No, Tristan. Tristan. Super close. Oof. He would be a so Tristan. So you kind of mixed my two questions together. My second question was going to be around around the Aussie late sub, what he's meant defensively um, this year, and, and even just kind of uh, this even recently this year. Um, yeah, I think again, I think I was really okay with not winning this game, and I was surprised at how many people didn't feel the same. I think that the Not four losses like to, tying or losing. I would even if we had lost, if we had gone in and played this lineup and lost, I would have not had a problem with it. I think that the four losses to to begin the season have sent people into a frenzy where they just feel like we have to win every game from here to the next to the, you know, to the end of time or else we're going down the toilet and everything is ruined and chaos is going to ensue. And like if you look at the league there's only one team that doesn't have at least four losses, and that's Seattle at three. So we're already kind of like back in the mix of what everyone has been doing. And losing on the road to LAFC, when you're then turning around and playing a very beatable team in Vancouver, and then have a long stretch of home games that are going to be much more important to win, I just don't think is that big a deal. And so that's why I was really confused by people who were so angry about not playing not putting in or new and not putting in Nico Hansen and you know all the other things that were happening because it was like that's not what we're doing right now we're just it's just not you gotta you gotta rest the guys eventually we're the only team that had a midweek game let's focus on Vancouver let's focus on the future this is something we don't need to put all of our eggs into the I mean, question about oh yeah go ahead well I was gonna say to that so I agree with you here's what it boils down to is that you make a great point about everyone's had four losses except for Seattle. And then you look at, historically, Seattle has had, one of their criticisms has been that they're a very good regular season team and they lose sometimes in the, the playoffs. So the big question for us Loons fans, to be a little introspective for a second, is do you think we're going to compete for the Supporters' Shield? Be- because if you do, you need to go... Uh, I don't know. You need to go walk outside for a little bit, maybe go for a bike ride, because there's no way we're winning the Supporters' Shield. So every single point doesn't matter, okay? Major League Soccer playoff, you know, uh, standings, they're not that hard to get into. Like, Dallas started the season atrociously, and yet they're only four points away from a playoff spot. They're at uh, 17 points, and Salt Lake has 21. Like, it's not that hard to get a playoff spot. And I think we very easily will do that. So now what you're looking at is getting the team to gel the best, getting points where you need to get the points. Obviously, we want to win as many games as we can. That's that's a given. But like, I think, like you're saying, some of these fans also have this like mindset that we get to pick and choose when we win and lose and tie. And we don't. The game is the game. Anything can happen. So yeah, we would have loved to win. And I also would have loved to tie, and, and we ended up tying. We're away. We're away with three days of rest and four starters out, and people are mad that we score two goals and tie it. I, I'm i not. Fine by me. 
We're currently 13 points behind the Supporter Shield leaders uh, in New England Revolution. So it's not crazy. Would have been to think, 10. Would have been 10 if not we. Not crazy uh, to think we could be in the Supporter Shield conversation, but that is obviously the not the not the main focal point. And yes, sometimes you have a scheduled loss, and I feel like LAFC just felt that way. We were hoping for the best. We weren't just like punting, but we definitely were not. We were trying to get the best result we could while also giving some guys some rest. The question about Ozzy Alonso and what we do with him in terms of bringing him on defensively, I don't know. I don't know. I, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you can't argue the trend. I, I can't say that looking back at any of those goals, I, I think any of them are like his fault. But, you know, things happen for a reason and like trends are trends. So I don't know. I honestly don't know what to do there. But either way, he comes on in the 74th and in the 77th, they score off a corner kick, which... I think it was probably Dotson's fault. Um, he was the one that was there, and he didn't jump for it. He kind of got caught in between two players, and, and Blackman had just a, a un, uncontested header uh, that he put in. But um, he made is, up for it. Yeah. So that's the 77th minute, and then again, it's kind of like, well, shoot. Okay. I thought we were going to get the point there for a minute. We're not going to. It's kind of done. But that's okay. Good showing. I'd Actually, I tweeted out that I had going into the 94th minute or whatever, I had actually tweeted out like kind of this message, like disappointing, like we had our chances, it could have been won, but it wasn't. And like, that's okay because Vancouver, home games in August, like big picture stuff. Don't worry about it guys and girls and gals. But in the 95th minute, the ball is Wait, hold on, quick, quick freeze. I do want to say for all of, you know, because. This is my personal uh, vendetta because I had to listen to their announcers just talk about <laughs> Sifu all the time. That one moment, I don't remember what minute it was, where Vela crossed the ball in front of the goal to Sifuentes, who touched the ball probably four times. Mm-hmm. Like, he trapped it, and then hit it, and then hit it, and then hit it again, and then shot. And of course, Miller saved it, or I don't remember if the cornerback closed him down at that point. But it's like... We could have gone down again, and they just gave that away for some reason. Just terrible. Did you say cornerback? Yeah, I'm starting to get into a football season, so my brains... <laughs> I was looking at Packers training camp stuff, so yes. I thought you uh, said cornerback. Center back, I, yeah. Yeah, there's probably a few like more minute details of the LAFC game, and honestly, once we get into the Vancouver game, that we're just going to skim over, and I think that's because... What happened that what we started the show talking about that we're not going to talk about again, just like wipe my mind blank of any soccer thing that's happened to me in the last year. And I'm just like, I don't even know what happened. So there, yes, that was another really good, they had a couple other really good chances. We had some chances. Finley had a few that he he probably should have done better on. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, he luckily he, um, or maybe that, that may have been the Vancouver game. See, like, again, the the call the 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 call just got my whole mind all boggled up, but anyways, ninety fifth minute, Jan Gregush carries the ball, makes a last ditch. I mean, really sells out to get the cross off. Well, let's set it up really quick. We're in the ninety fifth minute because an LAFC player, and I don't remember which one, drops to the ground for no less than two minutes, indicates that he needs the stretcher and then they don't bring the stretcher out for him. Then he indicates that he doesn't want to go off on the side the ref wants him to go off. So he's, he's burning up all this time, which in my personal opinion, you know, I, was, I was trying to think of a very fair 
non-biased objective way to like put this thought process together but like i think if you indicate for a stretcher and then you can get up without the stretcher i think you should get a yellow card for you know simulation or or something to that effect you you don't get to say i can't move without a stretcher and then get up and play the game again like that that doesn't work. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mind I don't mind time wasting. I really don't. It's part of the game. You only hate it when you're the one who's getting the time wasted and you know that your guys do it when you're winning. But I do think I think South American leagues especially do better with like if you're gonna go down, the stretcher comes out and you're either getting up now or you're getting on the stretcher and going off. And like yeah. I don't care which one it is, but like you can't just sit on the ground. And I think so the I would like to ready yeah. or you're you're up. One of the other I would like Boom. to see I would like to see that. But it was interesting. I mean basically he gave us a timeout, right? Like I'm, we spent that time, I'm sure, talking about what we were going to do. Um, it was basically, yeah, a timeout, which is where the, the time-wasting thing, I think you have to be... I think it's more delicate than, than a lot of players in their head at the time think it is, where they just think, like, waste time, and not, like, contextually, like, when am I wasting time? I think if you're getting into stoppage time and you're still wasting time, it's it's at a certain... Or especially after a certain amount of time, I think if you waste four or five seconds here and there, you probably just... those Those seconds go away. When you start being on the ground for, yeah, 30 seconds, the ref is going to be tacking that on. He's not just going to forget that exists in most cases. Um, it's the so, little things. you got to right. get the little things, at, the slow throw-ins, the yep. like. Those are the moments where you got to... And I agree. I don't hate time-wasting. It's more like the big, drawn-out things where I also think it's pointless, like you're saying, because when you're on the ground for a measurable minute and a half, two minutes, the ref's going to go, all right, going on and the lafc fans i don't know if you could hear it on the minnesota broadcast but they were really pissed when we scored because at first i'm sure the fans in the stands had felt cheated which i don't blame them at the moment for feeling cheated but i'll actually give them credit on you know online from what i saw on twitter and reddit most fans typically understood that they shouldn't have done that you know the mm-hmm. the player shouldn't have wasted that much time blatantly mm-hmm. because then it it gets added on. It's a minimum of three minutes, not only three minutes extra time. Right. Yeah. So we end up playing into the 95th minute, and that's when Jan Gregus sells out. Um, really just gives more effort than, than unfortunately, Raheem Edwards in that moment, where Raheem Edwards is coming over to cover, and, you know, Jan Gregus is a big dude closing down, and he, he sells out and gets a cross-off. Um, Coleman is up there for some reason, um, he he pulls but a does a good away. job. Yeah, pulling a defender. Yep. Yeah, he pulls yeah. a defender away. Dotson brings it down on his chest and hits just a perfect volley. I mean, it stayed at the exact same height that he kicked it at from the minute it left his foot to the minute it went in the goal. Um, and it was the last kick of the game. I mean, I think they they kicked off at half and blew the whistle pretty much immediately. Um, and and yeah, one point one on the road, and more importantly, two points taken away from LAFC, who was directly above us in front in the in the standings. Um, yeah. Which I think is kind of the better way of looking at one point is taking it away from someone else. Taking two imagine, away from someone else. You know, somewhere on the East Coast, David Goss is snapping a pencil furious because the lowly Minnesota United stole a point from LAFC. But uh, yeah, we we snuck one away. We stole one. It was a Ocean's Eleven type heist. It was, and we were I was from, from the bank from the bank. Right? What's their stadium called? Yeah. The Bank of bank California. Of Bank of California. Yep. So is Bank Heist right there. Yep, there you go. Ocean's 11. It, there's 11 players. No one made a meme of this? Oh. <laughs> I would have expected... Dude. Minnesota's 11 on Instagram tends to put together 
uh, pretty good like meme references, and I'm really surprised there wasn't like an Ocean's Eleven bank heist joke. So, yeah, get get on that if you could. But Ocean's Eleven was usually casinos. You know, well, no, they knocked over. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. They were pretty much always casinos. It's always a vague. Okay, well. So when we play Las Vegas Lights in the U.S. Open Cup, have that queued <laughs> up, okay? Yeah, don't don't mess that up, guys. <laughs> and that was it. Wednesday night, it was like eleven thirty at that point. We get won a point on the road against the team above us, stolen two. I went home feeling very good. Yeah, feel fine. No hate. So now we get to the point of the show where we kind of unfortunately have to talk about Vancouver. And honestly, like we started talking about the show, it, it, the whole thing just left such a bad taste in my mouth. I, I don't really even know what to say about it. I mean, again, the lineup, let's start there. Let's start the lineup. That's a good place. Um, again, kind of a similar lineup. No no Adriano New, no Nico Hansen, um, no Michael Boxall, um, no Chase Gasper. Um, DJ Taylor starts out on the left again. Tyler Miller in goal, obviously. Will Trapp and Ja'Cory Hayes in the middle. Um, this one surprised me a little more. I thought we'd see back to more of, a, of an upfront lineup or, or a first-team lineup. Um, but I didn't mind it because I didn't think we needed it. I thought we could win with these people and we would be just fine. Um, so right away, I wasn't overly concerned. It's worth noting at this point in the season that... In the past 15 games, we have not had a single game with our ideal starting 11. Um, and, and most of that has been out of our hands. I think all of it has been out of our hands. I don't think we've had our ideal starting 11 on the bench or anything like that, just like decisions. We are definitely making do with what we've got. And I think especially with you know the short turnaround from the LAFC game, I wasn't super surprised by this lineup. Um, I personally wanted to see Unu start only because he's got to get clicking and you got to give him playing time to get him clicking. You know, a lot of people, you know, um, I think Andy Greeter on the Star Tribune article he recently wrote compared him a bit to the Lude situation where Unu came from a situation where he wasn't really playing a ton of minutes. Um, You know, he was in a different country, different setup, different teammates, different expectations. And so now he's in a brand new role and he's going to take a little bit of time to get used to it. And I think he will catch on fire once he starts scoring goals. You know, the floodgates will open. But yeah, Do you think I, that'll I be this year? Personally, I think, yeah. I think he's mm. gotten close enough. Uh, you, you, you know, we'll get to it. But, you know, that header he had against Vancouver where it was uh, immaculately angled he just perfectly whips his head uh and it hit the post and the goalie wasn't even near it i mean that would have been an awesome header goal but he was off by inches and you go the the frustrating part about soccer is two inches to the left and it pings in from the goal but because he hit it square in the middle it pings out you know so that's just soccer it happens i think he will turn it on this year i don't think he'll hit his best streak this year but i think he still ends this season with, I'm going to say nine, eight goals. I'm going to say eight goals. Okay. Bold, but I think he does it. Eight goals? Yep. Right now he's got two. Yep. So, so six, six more in whatever we have, 20-some games. 
I think it's pretty it doesn't reasonable. Seem, doesn't seem crazy. Yeah, I and think he'll get. I think he'll pick up steam this year. I think we're already starting to see it a little more and more. Um, I think he'll 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 come into form a bit. Um, I think next year is when he's really gonna we're really gonna see him. I think he'll have a, a similar trajectory to um, Robin Lude, where where in a couple of years it'll seem crazy that there were people who who doubted him at first. Um, which I mean, people just do. You know, people. It's the same thing. One of the first matches that he played, uh, I was watching at, in, in a bar somewhere, and and someone there was like, "Oh, his first touch is kind of bad," and he had had like two touches, and it's just like, why do we do that? Why is why do why as human beings do we do we need to pick out bad things to say? Um, I mean, if you, you it's a, you see it everywhere, right? You go on Twitter, you find someone who's trolling people in the comments, and you go to their page, and they haven't put a, their own tweet out, maybe ever. They just go around commenting other people thing, or, or you know, you, when when you do a, an improv class, they always tell you that to do yes and not no but because people are much more likely to shoot down someone else's idea versus come up with their own idea. Um, so that's just part of people. Is that is that your subtle just, way of telling us that you've been doing improv classes? <laughs> no, definitely am not uh, an improv guy. Uh, I can tell because you just said no instead of yes and. There you go. See, you're listening. We're already learning. Um, but I do think that he'll turn things around this year, and he'll t- and and especially next year he'll start going. And um, I hope people just uh, can fight that urge um, to to point out the bad. But I was expecting to see him start this match. He didn't. But again, I wasn't too concerned. Um, get things rolling. First half, pretty I don't know, pretty mundane if I'm remembering correctly. Nothing. Nothing super exciting one way or another up until obviously the 36 minute when Vancouver scores their first on something that looked very close to offsides at first, uh, but it ended up being a, a, a nice through ball um, that they finished. I spitefully uh, watched that replay, no exaggeration, probably eight or nine times. Um, yeah, and credit where credit's due. It was super close, but like we've said in the past, Alex, I think it's actually one of the first Twitter conversations where you and I started talking. Um, if it's so close that you have to watch it eight or nine times to see if he's off, he's not off. He mm-hmm. doesn't have that much of an advantage. If he has mm-hmm. an inch of toe poking forward past Debassi's elbow or whatever it is, all right, you know, that sucks, but that's not the kind of soccer I want officiated. Offsides is like they have a full step on the guy. They're clearly, you know way past him so yeah i i'm of the opinion that credit where credit's due and i didn't realize this but dahomey has eight goals this season two of them granted were against us and one of them that we're not going to talk about a lot wasn't deserved but still let's call it seven goals that's not a bad start to the season yeah especially for vancouver yeah i mean he's he's doing well um so that's the 36 minute um Again, I think this is the game where Finley had a lot of chances that uh, the way this one ended just kind of wiped my mind clear of, of everything that happened and, and prevented me from going back and watching it again because I just couldn't I, I couldn't do that. So I may be forgetting exactly how this unfolds, but I feel like this is one where Finley had a lot of chances um, and he finally put one home in the, the 45th minute um, pre-halftime um, assisted by Emmanuel Reynoso. Yeah, he... I do remember this game. I didn't block it out quite as much as you. Uh, no, no repressed memories here. I fully embraced the pain, 
and being somebody who likes being angry, I, I relish it, I think, a little bit. So, um, but yeah, Ethan Finley had, had a very solid game, and um, that pass by Reynoso. So it was a good run by Finley, and I'm not going to take anything from Finley. No, no buts. Good run by Finley. Awesome. The angle and the traffic, if you go back and like look up on YouTube what happens right before the ball leaves Reynoso's foot, there's so many players around Reynoso, and it almost seems impossible that he can really see him. So to see all these moving bodies and know that he has to slot a perfect pass, that's the reason we bought him. Like That's the perfect definition of all these people in movement, in traffic, it's messy, it's gross, and he manages to notice that Ethan's running a good angled route, he's still on sides, he gets that ball right to him, and Ethan slots it right home, which, you know, fantastic. Love seeing that out of him. Go into halftime. Uh, we come out. They have Adrian Hanu marked as the 46th minute sub. I'm not, again, I've blocked out this game. Didn't he just come out at halftime? It was a halftime sub, yeah. Okay. yeah I, don't I don't know, know if that's they... like a technicality that they do that or I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if because 40, when the clock starts it's you know 45 and one second or something i don't know that's true you're technically right away you're in the 46th minute because you're going upwards because if you Um, were in the 45th minute that's still the first half right so maybe right weird yep yep no you're right yeah when you always add up so yeah you're right no that makes sense uh thanks for tuning in as we work through that uh so right away adrian new comes on at halftime uh for jacory hayes which i was like great that makes more sense to me you know, give him half a game, let him rest a little more. Jacory Hayes, again, I think played well. Um, Adriana New comes on, and I'm feeling much better now as we go into the second half, thinking that that first goal was a fluke. They couldn't possibly score again, and eventually the boys would tie this one up. That first goal was a fluke, and in my eyes, they didn't score again. But, uh, yeah, I love seeing Unu come on. Same boat as you. You know, I obviously wanted again. I wanted to start, but... You know, you get him a good half. 45 minutes is a good amount of time. It's good balance to continue to improve his match fitness, continue to build his um, chemistry with the rest of the team. So, loved seeing him come on. This is another game I thought DJ Taylor played very well. Again, he really brings a lot of hustle to the team, and it's really optimistic to see that left side or right side, he can play very well. So... We've got a solid one, and it's going to be tough because I think Gasper might have a little competition. Yeah, I think Gasper definitely has competition. Unfortunately, I don't think Heath would ever consider Gasper not being the starter. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's a good maybe that's a good call. You know, when you look at some of the quotes from from Gasper or from Heath about Gasper in terms in the in or Heath about Gasper in terms of how he views this team. Um, I mean, he's here for the long haul, and he definitely is invested. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what you want on your back line. I mean, I could if if he stays there, it's very he very easy could be here for the next twelve years, and maybe that's worth more than you know DJ Taylor starting. But definitely, I think DJ Taylor deserves consideration um, at the starting left back. Uh, but I just don't really think Keith is actually going to seriously consider him. Um, I mean, Matt Nears thirty one. Right. I think that's the more that's the more path to starting is is Metinier moving on. So does anything else happen between now and the 75th minute goal that we should touch on? Again, speaking from someone who has blocked this out. 
Uh, no, it was a pure fever dream, top to bottom. <laughs> uh, so, nothing that I can think of, like, right off the top of my head. The game overall, I mean, I kind of just thought it was a... This, to me, was a boring game. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't seem like our attack had a lot of bite. Um, I know this was the game. I don't know what minute it was, but, you know, Adrian knew had that nice header. Um, I think he had another look, another shot or something. Um, but just didn't really see a ton of what you wanted to see. Again, they're still finding chemistry. It doesn't happen right away. I'm still not that worried about it. Um, you know, you think about how well Reynoso clicked in the first two games of, I mean, honestly, the all three games he played of the MLS Cup playoffs. That, you know, moment happened after he had come in halfway through the season. So this is where, you know, I've been saying it over and over, we need to have chemistry, we need to have chemistry. On August 7th, when we play the Houston Dynamo at home, I expect to start really seeing noticeable moments of like, wow. Um, You know, examples being, we saw flashes of it. I think it was the first Portland game where there was that combination play between Fragapane, Lude, and Reynoso, where it was like, tiki-taka, bam, 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 pass, 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 and then uh, Fragapane crosses it, low-driven pass right over to Unu who slots it in. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for from here on out because I know we can do it. But yeah, nothing really, like, happened. It was pretty boring. Yeah. So then 75th minute. Um Sorry, oh what gosh. what minute was it? Was it the seventy fifth? Was it the seventy fifth? Was exactly. it late on in the game? Was it still? Was it still? Uh, yeah, I was sorry. I was looking at at the header from from Adrian Anu again, which was just wild, which happened in the sixty eighth minute. So that was when he he had headed it and, and hit it off the post. Am um, I wrong? But, That's a beautiful like. Look at his technique on that. Yeah. It was not as I remember it being much more like a cross where he he was up in a scrum and kind of just put it on for him. He was standing outside the six when he when he headed it in and he got some real pop. He was standing basically on the penalty spot. And if you look um, at him, if you're watching it right now, so Alex is watching it right now, he's not even really jumping. He like plants yeah. his feet and he like powers his head. Yeah, it's like I don't know, a very impressive header to me. And and that's the kind of thing you want to see out of him where. I think uh, out of 10 times, that goes in 8 times out of 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Goalie was beat. It, it even hit off the inside of the post and bounced across the goal again. Oh. It was it was pretty wild. Um, 68th minute, that happened. It came off a free kick. Um, and then 75th minute is when Robin Lude um, takes it up the, the right side, cuts it on a stronger left foot, and slots it home like we've seen him do so, so, so many times before. Um I don't remember what game it was last year, but you brought it up where Robin Lude had scored almost an identical goal, and it's because the defender did the exact same thing where they they kind of didn't give Robin any respect and, like, really backed off him and was like, oh, they gave him all the space. Like, that's fine. Whatever. You keep coming in. And you could see, I mean, Robin takes, like, four or five touches on it, like, I'm coming into the box. I'm coming into the box. And the defender doesn't close down or anything at all. And he goes, okay, I'm just going to shoot it. And it's like, it wasn't even like a super, you know, driven, fast shot. It was just kind of like a, I see the far post. I'm just going to shoot for the far post. And it goes right in. 
Well, yeah, he also gave him his stronger left foot. He was covering more more down the line on on, on Lude's right foot, which Lute, we we all know that Lude's not going to do. I mean, if you've watched anything from Robin Lude, you know he's trying to kid on his left foot. So I don't know. I mean, Vancouver's not a great team. That's that's why. Um, although we should say they've been on a good. I think this was their fourth unbeaten now. Um, so they they definitely have turned things around. At the beginning of the year, we talked about how they were definitely a team who had been improving. I think they've spent more money in the last two years than anyone else in like in the MLS or maybe even in CONCACAF or some 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 statistic. But wait, Alex, I thought if you don't have promotion and relegation, there's no reason that you'd ever want to improve your team. Right. I thought that's right. the only reason. You never miss a chance to get your promotion relegation. I can tell you don't want to encourage me on this. I think it is funny. I'm moving on from ProRel, I promise. I do think it's funny that they didn't give Robin Lude that much um, respect. Obviously, these stats are coming after he got that goal already. But uh, Steve McPherson just had an article about Robin Lude where they were talking about, so if you go by Major League Soccer statistics, which count hockey assists, which is interesting to me, but uh, Robin Lude has five goals and four assists. Three of those goals were game winners, which were all in the 75th minute or later. But he's ninth in the league for expected goals, which is ahead of Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela, and Alan Polito. And he's 10th in the league for expected goals plus expected assists, which is ahead of Reynoso by a considerable margin. Um, And despite missing four games for the Euros, he's still on track to be the second Minnesota United player ever to have double-digit goal and assists. Do you know who the first one was? Darren Quintero. Correct. In his first season with the team. And there's been three? He'd be the third, you said? No, second. Oh, the second. Oh, Second okay. ever. After yeah. Darwin Quintero, who did it once. So it's like, I don't know. I tend to look up a team's best players if you're going to play against them. Yeah. You know, I, I would imagine. Right. Something you should probably should, look into. And you would imagine they would go, this guy doesn't score with his right foot. Should we let him have his left? Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems like easy stuff. Obviously, stuff happens in the heat of the moment. You're not thinking about everything. But... You know, you would expect a defender to play him a little, a little closer. Yeah. Anyways, wanted to give that Robin Lude shout out because, again, he really has come into his own on this team, and I think more and more and more you're seeing how important he is to this team now. And once we get Unu clicking and Fragapane back, I mean, it's really going to be an explosive offense once we're, as they say, firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so that's seventy fifth minute, and the, all is right in the world. We we came back, got the got the goals. You know, maybe it wasn't the way we wanted to go, but we're gonna win this thing two one. Um, yeah, some subs in the eightieth minute from uh, Vancouver standpoint. A few cards in the eighty sixth. Um, in the ninetieth minute, Jan Gregush comes on for Emmanuel Noso, who comes off. Um, game over, right? Um, unfortunately, not. Ninety fourth minute is when uh, the penalty kick is called. Uh, they obviously score, and that's uh, the last kick of the game. The only thing I want to ask you about that is after Dahomey scores the penalty kick, mm-hmm. he kind of limps off, mm. which to me, I'm wondering if it's one of three things. Number one, he is actually injured from either uh, the collision with Finley or like hurt himself on the penalty kick, or he's faking it to... Uh, like make it look like oh i really did get run into 
I guess that was only two things. I kind of combined the, the, the two different <laughs> ones. Do you think it was a real injury or it looked like a weird, he took like three hops. No, I think it was, I think it was making sure that was the last kick of the game. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, I think that it was, was just the... like kick the balls to our goal. Go. I'm the only one who can say I could have gotten injured on that play. Um, so I'm going to go down. He gets subbed off. Basically that's just the last kick of the game. Just to assure that that happened. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe he sprained something by kicking the by kicking the ball. I, I I did not see it that way. I heard being a liar tenses your muscles up, tends to tends to cramp. Uh, so two points on the road against two teams. LAFC is a good team ahead of us in the table. Um, like we said, you know, Vancouver had was coming off a three game unbeaten streak, and in that time they had also tied LAFC, um, and I think Portland. I want to say so. Again, you 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 always say you get you get you, you know you get one point on the road and you win one at home and you're in a really good spot. So, in one sense, coming home from the road trip with two games in hand, or two points, gearing up for a, an a, uh, an August stint when you play four times at home and two times on the road against beatable teams in San Jose and Austin and Houston, you're not feeling necessarily terrible except for just the way that it happened. Yeah, In which I think case, this, now I am feeling terrible. <laughs> this uh, this brings us actually into a good question. Talking about these two games, um, Stefan, who's our stats by Stefan, stats TM, by Stefan, okay. stats by Stefan. Uh, for the game's momentum, would it have been better to not score the late equalizer against LAFC, but to hold on to the win against Vancouver over the two draws? Three points is greater than two points, obviously. But is there, but is there a case? showing we can get a result on the road against a quality side more important. Yeah, I get what he's asking, and obviously I agree. Obviously, we can't choose. We don't get to pick and choose like, oh, yeah, I'll trade you one goal here for a goal at that game. But I'll take the two points on the road. Because we can't pick and choose, I will always say let's two points is fine by me. Uh, you tied a good team. You got gypped by a mediocre team whatever we can hold our heads high and just move on that's my feeling yeah yeah i get the point of the question um again I, i've talked about our tendency to to tie games when it, it, like i always say if, if you only win one of three that's the same as tying all three um so i get that again i, I think lafc you have to be super happy with the result and vancouver other than just a, a completely blown call that everyone has made it as the blown call except for the extra time crew who for some reason just gets off on being annoying. Uh, it, it's like, whatever. I, I just, again, I, I don't even know what to say about it. Otherwise it's just annoying. We should have two more points. We should be, you know, three wins in four with a draw in the middle um, and coming home in, in a really good spot. And we still are in a good spot. We, we've, we've done a lot, um, played really well. We got some guys coming back, uh, but it's just really hard to have it end that way. You know? Yeah. For a pair of guys who said they weren't going to talk about the penalty kick, uh, we really are talking a ton about the penalty kick, but you yeah. know, every point matters, so, yeah. so I get that for sure. It's like, what's wrong? Nothing. I just think it's funny how... <laughs> There's always the long pause, yeah. too. I don't really want to talk about it. It just really bothers me when right. you know yep. yeah yeah you gotta start um, you gotta start that way so there's that and again we said we weren't gonna really talk about vancouver that much I just because think it's funny how he didn't even go to the monitor <laughs> personally um oh, it was me. so bad so um, let's go to the next question unless you yeah have keep going 
Okay, so we got uh, stats by Stefan already. Nick at Hey Gundy says, starting with the upcoming Houston match, we play four matches in a 14-day span, with three being played at home. Anything less than nine points will feel like... Alex, the mic is yours. Anything less than nine points would feel like a... I mean, bad. It would feel bad. It would be a. It would be. It would be maybe the big. I think August is the biggest month of the season for us. And if we if we don't do well through August, we're in a really rough spot. Um, there are still met, you know several games to play in in the later in September and um, you know all the way through October and, and I think there's even one in November. So there's still plenty of games to play. But I've been saying for a while now that I think August is kind of our make or break month because it's. Houston at home, Galaxy at home, San Jose away, Sporting at home, San or Houston away. All winnable games. Sporting Kansas City is definitely the toughest of those, but anytime you play at home, I think you expect to win. So theoretically, I mean that that's 12 points you could get. I think that if you're not if if you're getting less than 9, um, you've now you've really let the season get away from you. Up to this point, again, we talked about everyone has at least four losses except for Seattle. We're right in the mix of things again. We're only 13 points behind the, you know, the supporter shield, um, which is a lot. But it, it's not this, you know, this terrible season that a lot of people think it is. But less you than you brought nine that points, up just to rub it into my face that I made it this big, like <laughs> unachievable thing. And now you're with how with how the revs and and Seattle and them are playing, it is unachievable. But still, uh, 13 points is not crazy. Um, but yes, anything less than nine points would be a disastrous month. In my yeah, opinion. I think we've spent a lot of this season, I think justified, we've, we've justified our points for being patient, but like we were saying earlier in this episode, this is where I expect to see the team turn it on. Um, we're expecting to see Franco Fragapani back pretty soon, you know, just in the recent articles talking about him, uh, Heath said that he's actually looking really good, starting to train and potentially coming back, I think they said within a week or so. I think it said that they were going to make a decision later this week on his availability for the weekend. Yeah, so like that's dramatically better than the four to five time, four to five week timetable that they originally gave. Um, you know, you're expecting to have potentially Chase Gasper back, Michael Boxall back. Um, yeah, I really think anything less than nine points will be unjustifiable and incredibly underwhelming. Underachieving is the word I really wanted to use, but I had to figure it out first. So that's that's where I'm at. Anything less than nine points is underachieving. And is it Heath out? No, but I think anything less than nine points and the team, including the coaching staff, needs to take a deep look at themselves and wonder why. That pause was for us looking at ourselves. Got to be introspective. <laughs> Any comments or should we move on to the next one? Agree, 100%. Shane, at Shane Soberg, says, While Lude is in the striker role, is the right wing now Finley's spot to lose? Hansen has looked pretty good in my opinion, but Finley has over-impressed what I thought he was capable of in recent form. He's even getting on the score sheet now. By the way, that wasn't a penalty. I'm talking about it again. Um, first of all, shout out Shane, who did a cool graphics edit of Robin Lude doing his archery robin hood um you know celebration 
and Robin Lude and his dad uh, liked it, which is pretty oh, cool. That's yeah, fun. Kind of neat. Um, I think to answer his question in the way it was asked, yes, while Robin Lude is in the striker role, the right wing is Finley's. That being said, Fragapane is coming back, and Adrian Hunu is still, excuse me, Unu, gotta get it right, is still, in my opinion, the highest ceiling striker. We know what we get out of Robin, and that's very nice when we need certain situations, you know, to get a goal. But, um, yeah, I still think, don't don't overcount, you know, Robin always being in that striker position, I guess is what I'm getting at. Hmm. I still think Nico's going to come back, or once Fragapane comes back, Nico might still challenge for that spot. Yeah, I don't even think it's a challenge. I think Nico is is the starter, partly because of his play and partly just because of what Finley can do in the last 60th, and when he comes on in the 60th minute. I think that's when you really see him shine. Um, these last two matches where he has started, um, he's he's played well again, but he's not that, that threat that he is when he comes on in the 60th minute. And he's too much of a liability in front of goal for me to be out there for sixty to for, for sixty minutes versus for the last twenty minutes, um, last thirty minutes. Sorry, um, you know he got the one, but he he had a couple of chances missed. Um, still love Finley. I think he's the sixtieth minute guy. That's where he's yep. strongest, and that's where I think we've seen him play his best. Dano asks, "Do we make any moves?" that affect the first team this window new center back depth 10 depth left back which i believe the window ends in two days right it ends the fifth i think it ends thursday yep yeah alex i th- i really thought we were going to pick up someone um adding on that it's going to affect the first team is interesting um i think that there's defensive help coming but if both Bakidabasi and boxall are healthy um, I don't think it's going to take that person's going to take either of their spots, um, but I think he's in front of Coleman, and I think he's in front of um, anyone else who'd be a center back. So um, probably not the first team, but I think that there is a new backup on the way who will be ready to take the place of Boxall. I just do. Yeah, I get that feeling too. Um, I would have liked to see them pick up a, a center back. There was rumors floating around that an unnamed Major League Soccer team was um, in the process of transferring for some youth Uruguayan prospect who's some stud, but I never heard him connect to us. And just going by how the season's been going, it's probably Inter-Miami who's picking up another youth DP that they can't afford. Um, Depth 10, yeah, I think we have enough players that can fill that role, not in the same way that Reynoso can, but um, again, like we've talked about on other podcasts, the the 10 role is so tough because if you have a really good 10, or even, sorry, just a pretty good backup 10, that specific role wants to be on the field. You know, it's hard to keep you know, that mindset of a player, you know, they, they it's hard to keep them happy. Um, and for depth, depth linebacker, Linebacker. See, I'm really into I'm, in, I'm into football season, man. I'm reading this LB linebacker for depth depth left back. I mean, we've already got him. It's DJ Taylor. You know, yeah. Chase Gasper comes back, mm-hmm. and DJ Taylor immediately slots in on either side, and then Yuka Raitala, who's perfectly fine for this season. I don't see us making a depth left back pickup. Do you? 
I mean, yeah, it, it, if if both of them were to go down, if, if Gasper was to be up for a while and Metonair, now you've got, you know, DJ Taylor in one spot and Reichel in the other. Um, we have depth, but I think we have a pretty steep drop-off in some cases. Um, so that that's just concerns me a little bit. But I don't know. I, I don't, you but know, we also the, have that's... Montgomery and some other players on. Who knows? And that's also just the joys of, a salary cap league too. Yeah. I mean, there will every team has after their first off the bench player, they've got a pretty dramatic drop off too. Yeah. So next up, Nicholas Bisbee says, What do we do with Unu once Fragapane comes back? Do we want do we want lay four wingers? I don't know if I do we want to I'm guessing do we want to play four wingers in Lude, Ray, Franco, Finley, and Hansen, or do you keep rolling him out there? And have him stay up high and play up the back shoulder as XG says he should have four-ish goals and I think we'd be all good. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that Unu's best position is going to be a true nine striker, play off the shoulder, find space, you know, with Lude and Ray and what we have seen Franco do already, I think there's going to be some movement and rotation and creativity, but I think in a standard, you know, let's say Ray's bringing the ball up the middle, I would still expect Unu to be front and center, ready to play off that defender's shoulder. Yep. Yeah, I think the lineup is is Unu up top, Franco, Ray, and Lude on the right. I think that's just what the front four is going to be. I think that's what Heath has planned it to be. Um, and I think that if anything we need... Well, and actually, I don't. I don't know this part. This is one I, I mentioned last week. I'm still. I'm still kind of fed up with myself. Um, if we want, if if Unu should be playing more of the true nine and coming back less, or if that's really helping us because we have people like Franco Fragapane and Robin Lude who can score goals, um, is it okay for him to be coming back more and 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 helping with the build up? Um, that one I'm not really sure on yet. Um, but I definitely think that's that's the front four. I agree. I would agree. I would also say, I know you said you're not sure, but that's pretty much this whole podcast. We talk about things we're not sure about, so <laughs> it is what it is. Last but not least, although I will say, I know Jason Renders asked us a question or, or said it, it wasn't a PK, which I agree, but we're not supposed to talk about it anymore. So I'll move on. Brew Hall Casuals asks, number one, why hasn't the team said anything about Fragapane's injury? And number two, what is the deal with Avila? Could have used him the past two games, dot, dot, dot. Uh, I think they did actually comment on Fragapane's injury. They said it was similar to what Nico Hansen was going through, um, which they kind of also didn't say a lot about Nico Hansen's injury because I think whatever it is, it's something that there's it's hard to put a time frame to. It was like an upper thigh injury that just seems like it lingers and there's nothing you can do to make it better and nothing you can really say when it will be better. Um, and I think that if I'm remembering how Nico Hansen's injury unfolded, it was very similar to that. Um, and that kind of has seemed like what they've said for Franco of like, we're not sure, maybe a month. And now today we're already hearing it might be this weekend. Um, and so I think that's what, what, what we're hearing there. And um, that seems consistent. I think the deal with Abila is that he was already on the fringe um, leading up to the, the punch in Colorado. And when he came on and did that, I think Heath needed to make it very clear that there was no room for that. Um, I honestly have expected him to be on a plane back to Argentina at this point. So um, it sounds like he's in training. But I think that we've seen that with players in the past, that if Heath feels that you think you're bigger than the team, he's going to 
try and nip that in the bud very quickly, um, which I'm all for, especially when we have some Argentinian um, kind of hotheads in, in Reynoso and, and Fregapane. I think that they could be very easily influenced by someone like Abila, who's kind of a Boca legend. So I think that it's important that you show everyone on the team that that's not really what we're doing here. And if that's what you think you're doing, um, we will very easily move on without you, even if that means losing. Yeah, I think, um, so co-signed on the first question. I think we did kind of hear about Fragapane's injury. And I think it's also very tough for coaches and staff to give the fan base a timeline or a ton of updates when injuries are such a hit and miss thing where you can have setbacks, you can have, you know, mental hurdles you still have to get over about getting back, you know, fully fit, ready to play a game. So it's always a moving target and it's hard to feed timelines to people. And then you're disappointing people because you're saying, sorry, it's going to be another week. So I'm okay with just kind of rolling with it. We definitely have depth that works right now. As for Abula, um, yeah, like you're saying, I think same thing. He was on the fringe uh, up to that point already, and then you've got to make that statement that you got to have cooler composure than that. Um, the statement recently from the Star Tribune um, that Adrian Heath said was that he is fit and healthy. Adrian said, and I quote, but not in the accent. I'm not going to do the accent. We'll have to see he, if he's in the 20 at the weekend. The fact that he didn't play, I was looking where we've been on the road, high-energy games where you have to defend really strongly from the front. I don't know if things will change, but towards the end of the week, I'll make my decision what the 20 is and go from there. So I get what he's saying, um, and I would agree with that. I think Defending from the front is definitely not a strong suit of Ramon Avila. You know, if we would have had him against LAFC, I still think we would have picked Juan Agadello. I do think it's definitely a statement because for both of those games, we rolled out 19 players, not 20 players. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was kind of thinking about that too, is like, and even even beyond that, when you talk about like, oh, I don't know if he's going to make it to the 19, it's like, okay, but there's no one else that you'd have that you're like, I'd really like to have this person on that you're not right now. So I think that's BS, which I don't know why he's, I mean, he likes to protect his players. I think he likes to keep everything kind of stay out of the locker room kind of situation. Which is, is really funny because I think a lot of us Loons fans are split. I think you and I fall on the side of he more often than not tends to defend or at least hide his own players or or be vague about it, I guess, intentionally. Whereas I've heard a lot of people say that he throws players under the bus. And I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong if I can hear examples, but I can't think of a single time he's really been like, oh, this player was super bad and the reason we lost or something like that. You know, I don't think addressing players' mistakes is throwing them under the bus. I, and I think that more often than not, he'll tend to speak about situations in pretty vague terms. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, looking at the lineup and and who we had in the, you know, on the sheet, um, Azil Jackson wasn't on. Um, obviously, Ikepara wasn't on there. Obviously, Michael Boxer wasn't on there. But, I mean, other than, as far as, like, Justin McMaster... Patrick Weah, and that's basically it. So, like, 
there's not a bunch of people behind him where it's like, well, we're going to get him on the sheet, I think. Um, so I don't know why he keeps using that line. But I, actually, I do because he defends his players and he doesn't want people, um, you know, that, that only heads bad places when you start getting the media involved. I mean, what do you want him to say, too? For those of you, like, I mean, we do think maybe he is a bit of a hothead, but do you want Heath to just be like, yeah, dude's being kind of a dick, so we're just not going to play him. Like, that's mm-hmm. not going to make the situation better, you know? Right. So I I do not by any means want Adrian to turn into a Jose Mourinho, um, probably my least favorite coach of all time. If you disagree, I'll fight you on social media about it. But, um, yeah, I think he's doing what he can with the information he wants to give out, and that's where we're at. I personally would expect him to be in the lineup, but I don't know if I would expect him to play mm. against Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he'll make. I think he'll be in the lineup come uh, come this home stretch, um, and I think he'll come on late in a few games if we need him. Which again, reminder to everybody, there allegedly is that transfer clause in his contract if we play him a certain amount of games. Mm-hmm. Again, this is allegedly. So it's not even in our best benefit to, like, we're still getting unbeaten results without him. It's not like we're desperately searching for results. We're still searching for goals. I get that. But I would rather invest in players who are going to be here next year and the year after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's those two weeks. Big August coming up. We said we we're going to keep this shorter. Um, we've kind of gotten away from, from touching on other games around the MLS um, I think that's something we should get back to. If you're listening to this, DM us and let us know what things you like to hear more or less of. Do you like when we do deeper dives into just the Minnesota United-focused stuff? Would you like 20 minutes on the rest of the league? Do you want more fantasy talk, uh, fantasy soccer talk? Uh, we don't, do you want... I, no, veto. V- yeah. Hard stop. Uh, no, no. No more fantasy we talk. Know. And I think we've actually talked about putting something together to ask you know, how, how people are feeling about what they want more or less of. Um, because, yeah, we're happy to keep talking about Minnesota United for hours. Uh, but then we realize we haven't really covered a lot of the other stuff. Um, fantasy this week, we're recording this on Tuesday. It's a two-week game for most teams. Um, so tomorrow night, there's a full slate of games. And then this weekend, there's a full slate of games. With everyone playing, the old switcheroo is going to be a little harder. I would not recommend it. Um, I'm going more just a straight setup. Um, I'm going to keep my eye on a few of the early games tomorrow night. But for the most part, I'm putting the money on the field. I've got... I wrote it down here. I've got Columbus, Orlando, and Portland as my big teams to watch. I'm going heavy on those players. Hopefully this comes out before the person I'm playing hears it because they're just going to know what my lineup's going to be. But I think between either this game or the weekend game, there's going to be a lot of points there for those teams, and I'm feeling good about it. Grant, have you set your lineup yet? Have you thought about your lineup yet? Have you completely given up on fantasy soccer? Yeah, um, I have the cushion of knowing that you know, Jake got locked out for like 90% of the season. So he's in like very last place. Sorry, Jake. So I know that I won't get the wooden spoon. Um, But also I forgot last week I was at a wedding. I was just busy. And now it's like this week I tried. Well, actually, sorry. Last week I tried to do the switcheroo and it didn't work at all. I didn't do it well. Well, last week was tough, man. Last week was just a crapshoot. Yeah. Things and so crazy. now I'm like, I, I'm just going to set a good lineup tomorrow. I, while you were talking, I actually wrote in my daily planner, set fantasy lineup. So I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. But um, 
yeah, I, I got to take a look at the teams. I haven't really been paying attention to fantasy, but to well, echo but you're, you're not Alex, even in last place. You're you're in twenty first out of twenty six. There's four people behind you. Wait, did I jump? Not counting Jay. I was in I was in twenty fourth last time I checked. You are in twenty first place. Will, Justin, Chris, Anthony are all behind you, as well as Jake. But I'm not counting Jake uh, because we actually agreed that Jake doesn't get the wooden spoon this year, regardless, because it's out of his control. Yeah. It. Yeah. I agree. It shouldn't be against. So now I do. I don't have that uh, cushion anymore. So I can nope. pay attention to what's going on. Well, I actually won my last game. There you go. You didn't even need to say that. Maybe that's what you should just stay out of it, man. I'm never touching my lineup again. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so there's that. Uh, just to echo what Alex says, you know, you guys make this thing a reality. Otherwise, Alex and I are just talking to each other, which we can do. But mm-hmm. there's easier ways of doing that, and we don't have to record ourselves. So. Uh, let us know what you guys want to hear if you want to hear more around major league soccer or specific things you want to hear us dive into um yeah happy to do it yeah when we started the show we did much more like minute by minute stuff and lately we've been doing more just kind of overarching um let us know yeah we definitely want to make sure we're doing it uh what everyone finds the most interesting and that's all i got all right well that's all i got so with that we're going to leave it there we're at 83 minutes as i speak it's Tuesday night, games tomorrow, but we don't play. On the weekend, we start August, which is going to be a very important month for us. I think we got to get, you know, we said nine points. I think realistically, 10 is a number that I think I would be okay with. Okay yeah. with. That's three wins and one tie. Um, I think that that's very doable. Um, so set your lineups. Big day, big day tomorrow. Big August for us. Let us know what you want to hear. Go Loons. Go Loons.